Hello and welcome to Hope for the Heart. I'm so uh, thankful once again that you're uh, joining us today. Perhaps this is your first time and perhaps it's not. But if it is either your first or you're back to visit, then we ask if you would like to follow along in the scriptures. I'll be teaching tonight from the book of Revelation chapter 5. And I will read that here in just a second to uh, give you a context. Uh, We've been working our way through the book of Revelation and so tonight... Uh, We're going to get a little bit further in 5. I thought I might be able to finish 5 tonight, but I'm not going to be able to. And so I want to uh, give you uh, just some things related to these, the context here so that uh, you can have, once again, a better understanding of what's going on as heaven prepares for the judgment that is coming. Okay, Uh, the context by which we are looking at tonight is Revelation chapter 5. And it is basically going to be verse 8. I may touch 9, but I may not. just depends on how the time holds up. And so I will read, to give it context, beginning in verse 7, I'll read 8, and then I'll read part of 9. So if you'd like to join along, then you can uh, turn to the Revelation chapter 5, beginning in verse 7, and I'll read this. And uh, we can then begin. So the... uh, Word of God reads, beginning in Revelation chapter 5, verse 7. The Word of God reads like this. Verse 7, And he came, and he took it out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Verse 8, And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, having each one a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy art thou to take the book and to break its seals, for thou wast slain and did purchase uh, for God with the, the blood of men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. All right, I want to uh, talk about, so I'm probably not going to get to that song that they sing, But I want to to talk tonight about this particular section because here we find the lamb. The lamb is worthy. The lamb uh, has conquered. The lamb has been slain. And the lamb is uh, none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the search, remember, goes out in chapter 5 for someone that is worthy, who has the power, who has the right. So the lamb has full understanding in verse 7. He came and took it out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. This is that book, this is that little scroll. That moment is the most significant moment yet in history, uh, in human history, the moment when Jesus Christ takes that book, which is what we see here, and begins to inaugurate the recovery of the lost universe, lost to sin, Satan, death, and hell. And so he is going to take the scroll, and it is for the purpose of unrolling it, And as he unrolls it, this is what's happening here in this section. As he unrolls it and breaks the seals, then we find chapter 6 of Revelation happening, and it will go all the way through chapter 19. And that is when all the judgments begin to happen that is known as the tribulation period and the great tribulation period on earth. Now remember now, we're in a scene that is in heaven. John has been called up to heaven. This is, uh, as far as what's going on on the earth during this time, well, this time on earth is the preparation 
uh, heaven is preparing for what is about to happen on earth. And what is about to happen on earth is, like I said, beginning in chapter 6 of Revelation. Which means all these judgments are about to be poured out on the earth. So earth is not aware of what's going on in heaven. Earth is only aware of one thing. And that is the Antichrist. And the, the book of Second Thessalonians says that they will begin to believe the lie or the deception that will be voiced by the Antichrist. And, of course, we're, we're going to see that when we get a little bit further in. Uh, and so we'll see how the book of Daniel plays into that and the book of uh, Revelation plays into that. And bits and pieces from Ezekiel and Isaiah might play into that as well. Uh, so, But as far as what's happening here, what we see in heaven and this lamb taking the book and opening the scrolls, he's getting ready to open the scrolls, but before he does, there is an extraordinary uh, song uh, that is about to be sung, and that begins in verse 9. So the introduction to that is, is actually unbelievable. And this is what I, I just hope we can cover just in small amount of detail, because you, you know it's just impossible to cover all that would be there to cover. I, I would have to preach uh, a series on... Uh, probably for four years to cover most of the details, and I still wouldn't even finish. So, as we look at this, I want to uh, to call your attention to verse 8, because that's going to be where we're going to settle in. All the beings in the universe break out in a, in a praise here, and this is what we see beginning in verse 8. And they break out in the praise because of what has just happened. What has just happened is that Jesus takes the book. In other words, he is confirmed as the worthy one. He is confirmed as the one who has the right. He is the sovereign, worthy one to open this book. He has the full rights to do this. And remember now, we said the book is not why he has the right, but the book that he is about to open is the how he's going to take back the earth. And this will be through the judgment. So, uh, we look at verse 8 and we see that and when he had taken the book, this is Jesus taking the book from the Ancient of Days or from God the Father. Ancient of Days is a phrase that Daniel sees. We talked about last week, Daniel sees this same scene and a little bit uh, uh, parts of it that are not he doesn't see. And then Ezekiel sees it in Ezekiel chapter 2 and there's some parts he doesn't see, but John sees it. Uh, better than both of those. And he sees what is happening here, and he is given it in writing so that we might see it as well, which makes all of this so exciting. So here comes the lamb. The lamb has taken the book, and then it says that uh, as soon as he takes the book, and the idea here is immediacy, immediately the four living creatures and the 24 elders fall down. They fall down in worship. This is the moment for which all heaven and the redeemed earth has been waiting for. And at this point, everybody in heaven is fully aware of all that has happened. So now as we come into the, the song, remember, eight leads into nine, and nine is the actual song. And so if you can understand eight, you will understand a lot of the words of the song, which we're going to say for next week. So, as we look at this, I want you to notice a couple of things in verse 8. Verse 8 says, the, the, you know, the 24 creatures 
living creatures and the twenty-four or the four living creatures, excuse me, and the twenty-four elders fell down to worship before the Lamb. Now, I want you to notice what it says next, because this is what we're going to look at. Next it says, uh, having each one a harp, comma, and golden bowls full of incense, comma, which are the prayers of the saints. So there's there's three things I want us to, to look at because it's really going to give us an understanding of the uh, the impact of what is happening here, the 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 importance of it and the how big of a thing this is when all in heaven and earth are are, are paying attention to this. And I say heaven and earth. Earth is really not. At this point, the the creatures on earth or or earth dwellers, as they're going to be be called, and we'll give you that information later. But all that is in heaven are taking note of this. They're all participating in this. So this is a giant event, to put it mildly. But I want you to notice that the, we're going to look at three different things, the harp, the bowls, and the prayers. And so if you want to take note of these things, you can. Uh, but notice first, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders represent the church. Symbolically, they are the raptured church. So think about that. You have the four living creatures, which are cherubim, and then you have the, the uh, raptured church fell down before the Lamb. They fall down in worship. Now notice, each one of them has these three things. And so I want to first look at the harps. In the text here, I would prefer to use the phrase, each one uh, having each one a harp, to refer directly to the 24 elders. It is, in my mind, the preferred interpretation because the structure of the sentence in terms of its grammar. It is possible that it could reach back and encompass the four creatures or the cherubim, but it doesn't seem likely. I think it's referring to the 24 elders fall down before the Lamb, each one having a harp. Now, harp. So here you have, and, and you know, you know the. Uh, I used to hear stories about, you know, what are we going to do in heaven? We're all going to be floating on a cloud and playing a harp. Well, that's not true. But harps actually are in heaven, and there's a reason why it's given them to giving it to us here. Uh, the each one having a, a harp. The Greek grammar and it lays out to indicate that this is again referring to the the raptured church. So here you have these representatives of the redeemed of the raptured church, each having a harp. Now the harp goes all the way back through the Bible. It goes all the way back to the Old Testament, and so a summary of of, of that would be in in certain passages of Scripture, like First Chronicles twenty five verse six, I have that instruction about offering songs to the Lord. It talks about the service that is there and the, and the people that are involved there, and uh, in down in verse six of a uh, of first uh, or of uh, First Chronicles twenty five in verse six. Uh, it says, all these were under the direction of their, their father in the singing in the house and the Lord with cymbals, harps, and, and lyre. Uh, and then, so these other instruments are mentioned there, but the one I want to draw your attention to is the harp. It, it, it's there. And why do they do this? And it's for the service of the house of God. They themselves were under the direction of the king, and the number that were trained in singing to the Lord were their relatives, and all those skilled people were, were uh, 128. Those numbers are there. And so you have a rather massive choir, large choir, and you have the instrumentalists accompanying them with harps. And there's also cymbals and some other instruments. But if we were to go through the book of Psalms, we would see in much of the Psalms, uh, like Psalm 33, 71, uh, Psalm 150, Psalm 147, uh, many of the Psalms 
you read about the harp as part of worship. And they indeed even show up here in the book of Revelation. And we see them here. We see them in chapter 14, verse 2. I heard the voice of heaven, a voice from heaven, like the sound of many waters, like the sound of thunder. And the voice which I heard was like the sound of harpists playing their harps. So what is the deal with the harps? Uh, I mean, I, I don't have a harp. I've never even touched a harp. I've heard of harps, and I've seen some. But uh, this talks about harps, and there, it is for a reason. Chapter 15, verse 2, again we find harps. I saw as it were a sea of glass mixed with fire, and those uh, were to come off victorious from the beast and from his image and from the number of the, in the name standing on the sea of glass holding, here it is, harps of God. So they sing the song of Moses. They have the harpist there. But here's the interesting thing about the harpist. It's always referring to the believers. The believers have the harps, and they are the people who have been redeemed. They are playing harps in the singing of the song of deliverance. Now, here in this uh, uh, escalating praise, it began back in chapter 4. Uh, uh, it goes all the way through chapter 5. Uh, you have the harps being mentioned here as part of the orchestration. And I think the symbolism here is very important. The 24 elders have harps. And the intent of that, I think, is a, it's, a, it's a kind of a stringed instrument. It's regular in Scripture associated with, and here it is, harp is always associated with prophecy. It's a regularly associated with prophesying. For example, uh, we see a couple of places, and I, uh, time permit, uh, there's one in Second Kings chapter 3. The spirit of prophecy was upon Elisha. As he stood before the two kings, Elisha in 2 Kings 3.15. But now bring me a minstrel. And it came to pass when he was brought that he brought his harp. And the hand of the Lord came upon him and he said, Thus saith the Lord. How interesting. In other words, Elisha did not have a spirit of prophecy until someone came and began to pluck on the harp. Then the spirit of prophecy came upon him. There's also another example in 1 Samuel chapter 10 verse 5. Again, the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy. And that's mentioned again there. And so you begin to see, just like you would if you were to go to First Chronicles chapter 25, it's safe to say, and I want you to follow this, it's safe to say that the harp not only was used to accompany worship, but it was used for the accompaniment of prophecy. The harp then somehow tied into prophecy, and here we see the harp. But what is it there for? Not just to accompany worship, but to symbolize. This harp is to symbolize. Remember, we're talking in heaven, the harp is there. And it's meant to symbolize, listen to this, all the prophecy, to symbolize all the prophecy or all the revelation that God has given, promising and describing the great events about to take place. That's what we're seeing here. We're seeing the harps are, are symbolizing this, meaning all that is about to take place from chapter 6 all the way through chapter 19 of Revelation. All the scripture has, that has ever been given regarding the end times, all the prophecy that has ever been made regarding the end or the future, the final return of the Messiah, the, the kingdom, the judgment of the ungodly, all that the scripture has ever been used to record for us and to give us is symbolized by these harps. 
So therefore, they become symbols not only of praise, but of prophecy. Can you believe that? Of all things in heaven, around this throne, Jesus takes the book, and heaven breaks out in a crescendo of praise because of all of all that the Word of God has been saying and giving us for all these years. And it's symbolic of prophecy. So it is symbolic of that. And so they become symbols not only of praise but of prophecy. And so there you have the 24 elders with their harps in a symbolic indication that all the prophets had ever said was about to come true. So that what that is saying is when we see this in chapter 5 in verse 8 talking about they break out in a crescendo of praise and they're plugging their harps, what that is saying is it is the validation that because Jesus, the worthy one, takes that book, that all they've ever heard, all that has ever been written, is about to come true. And that's why they break out in the praise. But now, that's only the, the, the first thing. That's the, uh, the harps. The second thing are the bowls. See what it says? It says in verse 8, uh, Before the Lamb, having each one a harp, and, here's the second, golden bowls full of incense. Now, in addition to the harps, the 24 elders were also having golden bowls full of incense, which are, it says, the prayers of the saints. Bowls were more like, uh, and we're going to get into this when the bowl judgments take place, saucer, uh, some say with a wide mouth, more like what would be known as a cereal bowl uh, made of gold. These kind of utensils by were, were found in the tabernacle, they were found in the temple, and we can find information about them in Zechariah chapter 14, verse 20. And uh, it gives you a, a look at these. But they were symbols of the priestly function. And notice it says full of incense. Incense was burned to send a fragrance upward. The incense would rise. Now, I know the Catholic Church uses this, but it's for, uh, and they say it's for this similar kind of thing. But this is different. This is a, a more of a scriptural look at the true nature of the fragrance. The Old Testament priest burned incense because it symbolized uh, it was symbolic of prayer rising up, so to speak, to God as a fragrance. Uh, the incense went up and the smoke carried the fragrance up. It was symbolic of the offering of fragrant prayers to God. Normally, the priests would stand before the inner veil of the holy place, before the holy of holies, and they would offer incense before the presence of God so that it it would uh, go up and, and, and God would be pleased with the aroma of the incense. In fact, in Psalm 141, verse 2, I think it is, uh, it says, uh, the psalmist says, May my prayer be counted as incense before you. And that's what he's talking about. And so there's an example of, of this in, uh, throughout all the scriptures, and I'm not going to give any more examples other than Psalm 141, verse 2. But now you see the 24 elders holding golden bowls like the priest is. So it's symbolic of this, uh, rising before God. And meaning that this is symbolic here of something that is even bigger. And he gives it to us. He says, incense, which are the prayers of the saints. So just as the harps represented prophecies and the revelation and the scriptures that predicted the coming of the end time, uh, follow this. The bowls and the incense represent the prayers of all the saints through all the ages that the promised redemption might come. It is a wonderful and rich, magnificent scene. I can't imagine being there when this scene is taking place. 
So here then we have the anticipation of this group. The cherubim are observing. They're actually part of the group. The raptured church, represented by the 24 elders, are there. And as they pluck their harps, they're saying, all that prophecy has ever indicated, all that prophecy has ever been given, all the prophecy that has ever been spoken or written is about to come to pass. It's about to happen. And so, as as they are, as we're told here, the, bowl, the bowls of incense rises, which are the prayers of the saints. They are saying that the saints have ever prayed. They were just saying that this is symbolic of all the prayers of all the saints that have ever been prayed. And so both the prophetic promise of God and the prayers of all the saints are indicated by the harps and the bowls. Now, uh, I don't want to leave you with that because there's more here. Uh, we, we know we've always been taught in the Scriptures there's a tremendous eagerness uh, on our part as well as in the, the, the early church or the early times when the, they would, when Christ even taught, pray this way, pray like this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's always been the anticipatory and uh, the expectation of the kingdom in the end times and so these prayers of the saints, by the way, become a major theme throughout the book of Revelation. We see it's mentioned in several places. Chapter 11, verse 18. Uh, chapter 13, verse 7, 9, and 10. We run into the prayers of the saints in chapter 14, in chapter 16, uh, 17, 18. And so they're going to be mentioned. So uh, look at chapter 6, verse 10 is an illustration. And we're going to see this in a couple of weeks. In verse 10, they cried out, meaning the people around the throne, uh, bowing down and have been slain. Uh, they, they bowed down. They've been martyred. And so what are they doing in verse 10? They're crying out with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood of those who dwell on the earth? In other words, Lord, how long are the wicked going to prosper and the saints uh, be martyred? When are you going to come? When are you going to punish the wicked and exalt righteousness? And so, basically, this is an answer. That is the kind of prayers that are reserved. Chapter 8, we find another illustration. Uh, in verse 3, an angel came and stood at the altar having a golden uh, censer. And this is the same kind of golden bowl and, and incense was given to him that he might add it to the prayers of all the saints. And then he goes on to tell us it. So now the prayers are really being answered. This is symbolic for us to understand that all the prayers that have ever been prayed are really about to be answered. He takes the incense of prayers, turns it, and throws it back into the judgment on earth. And we're going to see that later on in the book of Revelation. So what we have here, just so I, I'm, I know I'm talking fast, but I, I, I just want to cover this. Here we see, we see the redeemed. For sure, the 24 elders holding harps, golden bowls, perhaps the angels do it as well, we're just not sure. But we know that the 24, meaning the rapture church, do it. And the symbolism is simply this, that all that the church has ever promised through the scriptures, all that we have ever prayed for is, a now, is, is now about to come to pass. And we see this with the praise and the instruments by giving us the bowls of incense and the, and the harps, it's the anticipation 
of all that is in the Bible, all the all the that believing, hoping, prayers have all been have ever been offered. All that believers have cried for, deliver them from. For example, uh, how many times have you ever prayed, deliver us from sin or from disease or from Satan or from the the energies or the powers of the flesh and demons and the the universe curse? All that prayers that have gone up for centuries and centuries for God to act in response to that. That's what this is talking about. Uh, prayers to, for, for Christ to come. It's now in the very point of being answered. And so all the prophets have ever said about this moment is, is being given to us by way of the harps. The harps and the bowls fit the context of this chapter 5, verses 8, 9, 10, and 11, and 12, so perfectly. Because verse 9 is the response to the promises, which is the harp, and the prayers, which is the bowls of incense. In other words, they knew it was going to happen. They knew it was like they had never known it before. There was a brand new song, a brand new anticipation as the 24 elders bring before God what represents the desire of the saints. And so this is what we're seeing. Their hope is based on the promises and the prayers. And so when we look at this beginning in verse 9, in fact, next week we're going to see who is this that actually sings this song and some of the words to the song. Look at what it says in verse 9. And they sang a new song. Why a new song? Well, because of what has been given to us in verse 8. It's a new song. It's a redemptive song. And we're going to see who actually has the right and the will to sing that song. It's, it's a very interesting thing because we know certain things about angels and seeing and saying. So it's, it's, a, it's a very interesting thing to look at. For example, angels are, we're never told angels sing. Uh, whenever the angels are doing something, it says they are saying. But yet here it says singing. So are they singing? Uh, the, who is the they there in verse 9, and are they actually singing? Uh, because it goes into verses 12 and 13 as well. So, this is what we have here in this section. We have the anticipation of all that is about to happen as he begins to peel back the seals of this book. It is going to be a wonderful time in heaven. Now, let me emphasize that because it's heaven. The rapture has already happened on earth. That's basically all the earth knows. They know uh, that someone is coming on the scene. That's probably, they won't know him as the Antichrist, I don't think. They will know him as a, a solver, a problem solver for the whole world. And uh, they will also know that uh, somehow millions of people, if it turns out to be millions, I think it will be, uh, have disappeared in the rapture. They won't know where we've gone. And so that is going to be is what is going on on the earth as this actually is happening in real time in the future. Now, the future could be next week. We don't know. Uh, but we do know that the difference between what's going on in heaven and what is about to go on in earth, on the earth are so diametrically opposite. Here you have all of the anticipation and the 
the crescendo of praise and, and thanksgiving and bowing down in worship and singing in heaven. And yet on earth, you have peace and safety because of the Antichrist is able to be a problem solver and help the world, yet it is getting ready for the judgments of God to be poured out. And folks, I believe we're close to that. I really do. We're, we're going to be touching on this more and more as we get into this. I know there's some exciting things in the news. I've been approached this week by information on what the Pope is doing, uh, what what France is doing, what uh, Pakistan is doing, what Turkey is doing, what Egypt is doing, what is going on in Israel. It's like the chess board and the players on the chess game are, is being set. The stage is being set. And I tell you, with all of this happening, it just brings to light more and more of what the Scriptures say. So I want to give a warning that we're going to try to stay as scripturally sound and based as we can. In other words, we're going to do an exposition of the Scriptures. We're not going to do an exposition of what we think are the newspaper headings or titles. We're not going to exegete the newspaper or the, uh, the news. We're going to exegete Scripture. And we're going to let Scripture tell us what's right and what's wrong. We're not going to let our emotion of of prophet, prophetic things or things that we think are going to be major things uh, dictate what we see. We're going to read the Scriptures and see if God will direct our hearts in the ways that we would like them to be directed as far as understanding what the Word of God is saying. Because that's where our blessing comes. If we... Uh, or remember, chapter 1 of Revelation says, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. Folks, the time is near. I thank you again for joining us uh, for Hope for the Heart. And continue to read the book of Revelation and stay with us. We will be bringing a different message every week. Uh, it's, it's, it's exhaustive in this little bit of time that we have as possible. We can't cover every word, but we're going to cover as much as we can. Thanks again for tuning in. You are very much appreciated. Keep reading your Bible.